Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We will be discussing Shadow Glass by Rin Chupeco. It is the final book in the Bone Witch series. Um, and this week I'm going to be reviewing the characters and locations and Marissa will be doing our plot. We have Druj, uh, one of the three faceless leaders and the last one alive at the start of this book. Druj is very powerful, um, manages to hide in plain sight and was in a very powerful position. There's King Adil. He's the king of Drict. He has gone mad and has become a horrible king to his people. Lord Bezerly, a Yedoshan lord who is welcoming of Tia and her friends. He has a large personality. He was saved by Tia based on information that she had gotten out of Aina earlier in the series. Lord Agnar, leader of the Gorvakai, who becomes a friend and ally of Tia's. The Gorvakai are a group of people in Estera who guard the secret of the Shadowglass by guarding Stranger's Peak and only allowing select people in. Estera is a country that has the world's oldest library. Uh, Tia and her friends travel there in hopes to find clues. It's a very cool country and many people are not allowed in. Luckily, Michaela was friends with them um, and by extension, Tia is allowed in. Yudosha is a friendly and open-minded country. Uh, Tia and her friends travel there to slay a deva, get information that can help them with finding shadow glass, and to scout out if it could be a place where they could settle down. And finally, we have Drift, the main enemy nation in this um, series. Um, all other nations need to come together to defeat um, the Drifts, and the Bard is actually from Drift. All right, Marissa, would you like to do our plot? Yes, so the Shadow Glass begins with Tia and her friends leaving for Estera, the coldest part of the country, in search of answers regarding the true story of Blade That Soars, the story that their history and the generation of the Asha is based on. As they take off from Ankayo on her Aussie, Tia has a bizarre vision where she looks back and sees the city in flames. They arrive in Estera, shivering, um, where, and they are warmly greeted by Estera's king, King Brandarvik, who welcomes them to the use of Estera's libraries, which contain some of the oldest books in their history, and requests that Tia help in putting down the deva in the area. So in their search, they discover the original copy of the story of Blade That Soars which paints the supposed hero blade that soars as the villain and depicts Hollow Knife, who's displayed as the, as the villain, as the one who would actually save humanity from magic. And they discover that Bernasha of the Roses, who was the first Asha in Keon and is lauded throughout, throughout history, is the one who actually changed the story. And this is confirmed by Garandor, who is a historian from Drict, who sought refuge in Estera. And so while speaking with him, they discover that his assistant, his assistant has been blighted. And so they discover the blight rune, which is a new discovery for them. Uh, it is a dark rune that transforms those who it is cast upon into a deva-like monster. 
so that the person is no longer human and cannot be changed back into the human into a human and the only way to help them is to kill them uh, and so they they end up killing this this poor assistant because there's there's no other way to save them when the deva in the area begins to move around tia seeks it out and it is not aggressive toward her but leads her to a journal that's left by Sakneet, who is the dark Asha in the area. Sakneet has died. And the journal explains the involvement of the Asha elders in colluding to keep the dark Asha powerless for orders of Burn Asha of the Roses. Uh, and, it, and it depicts a symbol of the people of the shadow who know the secrets to making shadow glass. And so that night, Tia has a strange dream where she kills her sister, Daisy, and awakens in the window of the place that they're staying to Kaylin trying to coax her down because it looks like she is about to jump to her death. They return to Ankayo and Tia is immediately arrested, accused of having blighted a local at her home village. There is very little evidence to convict her, but the elder Asha is still in prison her. When this happens to another person, in their village, it seems that someone may be conspiring against Tia as there's no way she could have flighted this person. And so things go from bad to worse. And then Tia has another nightmare where she kills her sister. Only this time she wakes to find that she has actually stabbed her sister Daisy to death. Fox was present to see it happen. And when asked, he gives a testimony against her to the elder Asha, though Tia has no recollection of killing Daisy and has no reason for why she would want to. And so Tia is placed by the elder Asha in the dungeons of Ankayo's castle and is near unreachable through her grief at having killed her sister. She is heartbroken by Fox's feelings toward her, which she can feel through their bond. And she only resurfaces from her grief when Khaled has the guards let him into her cell to read her heart's glass, which he is an expert at as the heart forger. And so he tells Tia that odd things have been happening which her, to her heart glass, which he's noticed. And he believes that she's been slowly poisoned over a long period, which would account for her strange dreams, her visions, her memory loss and loss of control of her actions. And so Tia has been trying to hide the blackness in her heart glass, which appeared after she killed Ana, and which they have been told is a sign of the dark rot taking hold and so she's worried that up to this point she's been corrupted by the darkness but Khaled actually explains to her that having darkness in her heart's glass does not make her evil or indicate that she's succumbing to dark rot uh, but that she's just probably experienced some trauma and so Tia decides that if she's being framed she must have the will to fight those who would frame her and so later, Kaylin saves Tia from a blighted monster um, that comes to her and her prison cell and reveals that they are actually springing her from the dungeons that night as the elder Asha council had planned to execute her for her supposed crimes, completely bypassing any sort of trial against her. And so with Kaylin, Khaled, and Lick, they make for Yadosha. Tia is greeted really warmly by the Yudoshans who believe that she is there to put down another deva and when she does they have a super lively celebration afterward because that's the way of the Yudoshan people um but all things with Tia and her friends are tempered by worry and anxiety 
when they discover that someone has cast the blight rune on Lick, which when activated will change her into a monster. And so after getting quite drunk, Tia declares before all of her Eudocian friends that she would like to marry and exchange hearts class with Kaylin. And Lick also drunk, privately declares his feelings for Khaled. Both end up feeling embarrassed, Tia for her very public declaration and Lick when he discovers that Khaled had no idea of his feelings. Um, the Eudocians notify Tia that King Kant has King Kant has sent them a missive that he will be bringing soldiers to Mithra's wall nearby and requests backup as he believes the King of Drict, Adil, who's mad, is nearby with the faceless leader, Druge. And so Tia and company plan to help the Eudocians and King Kant, um, but they make a side trip to Stranger's Peak where they meet with the Gorbakai. Tia realizes that the Gorbakai are actually the people of the shadow who guard the secrets of the shadow glass. And so with shadow glass, Tia could remove magic from the world, which would help keep future dark Asha from having to shorten their lives by killing the Deva, which has been her ultimate goal recently. Um, but it would also kill her brother. And so she could use, or, or she could use the shadow glass to basically elevate herself to God status. And so to gain the secrets of the shadow class, the shadow glass, she must pass a series of tests within Stranger's Peak. The tests are brutal emotionally and psychologically for her end, but she passes two of them. However, when the third test demands that she give up her love, Kaylin, allowing him to die, she cannot agree to it and thereby fails the trials. And so she is disappointed in failing, but she doesn't regret her choice to not give up her love. And so they return to the battlefield at Mithra's Wall, where the Eudocians and Tia and her friends battle the Mad King, Druge, and the, the, the Drichten soldiers. And they are victorious against the, against the soldiers and even capture King Adil. However, when they attempt to capture Druge, it becomes apparent that Druge was never really there to begin with. Um, he was just a vision. And so Tia and Kaylin are able to reconcile with Kant, who has realized some, some things in his rule as king. And Kant takes the Mad King back to his kingdom. And Tia, Kaylin, Khaled, and Lick make for the Sea of Skulls before deciding what their next step should be. Once they arrive, Lick offers Tia tea steeped from the herbs given to her by Alfi but Tia makes a stunning discovery once she smells the herbs and realizes that someone has been deceiving them for a very long time and thus reinforcing the blight rune on Lick. And so they are betrayed and Lick is injured to the point of unconsciousness and Kaylin is killed and Tia is heartbroken yet again. When someone comes to them and fights them. I won't reveal who, who because that's a major spoiler. Um, the elder Asha arrived freeing her of any obligation to them, requesting only that she give them her heart's glass so that she can no longer wield her dark power. And they take the bizuars that have been harvested from the data she's been raising and killing from the start of the book. And so this essentially brings us to where we started with the bard's perspective 
in the Bone Witch, the first book. But we must also remember that this book is told in two parts. And so those are that bit was from Tia's perspective, but we also have the Bard's perspective to consider. And so he has been guarding the letters um, that Tia gave him that describe the rest of her story as she hasn't had time to convey it to him on her own um, because she's had preparations to make for her Deva army. And so everyone still believes that Tia is a, a kinslayer, someone who killed her sister, possessed by the dark rod and an enemy. And she doesn't help things uh, when she attacks Ankayo, specifically the Willows. And although the casualties are at a minimum, she destroys the temple of the Oracle. Drict is still a threat and they are amassing an army at the Hollow Mountain which is Tia's ultimate destination. And that is also where Kant's army is heading. And that is where Tia encourages Fox to get Empress Alex to send Keon's troops, as well as the Eudocian troops who show up for support and a small legion of the Gorvikai who show up per Tia's request to ensure that everyone makes it to this location. And so once they arrive, there's a big battle um, and, and the good guys are victorious in it. However, Tia reveals that Druge has blighted every single Drichten soldier as well as every Drichten citizen and had the armies of Adalia, Keon and Yudosha actually entered Drichten. It would have set off a spell that caused every citizen's blight ring to activate, resulting in an undefeatable mass of blighted monsters, as well as the genocide of the Drichten people. Tia reveals who the traitor among the Willows is and has been for a very long time, and how they have all been deceived. It's another major spoiler. She, Fox, Kaylin, Zoya, and the Bard make their way to the Ring of Worship where the first harvest is and which is needed to create the shadow glass and to create the rune that will allow Fox to become truly alive. Druge has laid a trap at the first harvest at the ring of worship and is waiting for them when they arrive. And so to obtain it, they must defeat her. So will Druge be defeated? Who was the one that was betraying them all along? Will Tia succeed in making Shadow Glass and in saving Fox? And what will become of her and her familiars? To find out, you'll have to read the story or you can keep listening because spoilers abound from this point forward. So hold on, let's do opening thoughts first. Vicki, what are um, your opening thoughts for this story? I, I really enjoyed it. I found myself a little bit frustrated in this one because I just wanted to know what happened by this point you know we've now read like on like a thousand pages and we still don't know everything that happened yeah <laughs> so I found myself a little frustrated with that but I enjoyed the story so much that I was I was able to overlook the frustration um and I loved how all the relationships developed um Lick and Caleb and um, Tia, Kaylin, I, I loved watching their relationships develop. Is yeah, great. I did too. I I love the dual perspectives in this story, like just from start to finish. This is one of my favorite ever storytelling elements. 
just because I think it it lends so much like suspense, I guess, and mystery to the story, which is really hard for me. I am like 90% confident that I must have read ahead the first time I read this book, because even like having read it before, I found myself wanting to skip ahead <laughs> to see what was going to happen because I couldn't remember it completely. I just think it is so clever to tell a story this way. Um, it really helps with building the anticipation for what's going to happen. And I can't think of another story that I've read where this happened. So it feels really unique. And I like that from Tia's perspective, the story in the shadow glass ends with its beginning where the bone witch from the bard's perspective would pick up um speaking of snitches oh <laughs> fox yeah the worst i know so you know, when we first started this, you made a couple of statements about being worried about what was going to happen with Fox and Tia as the story moved on. And I couldn't say anything because their relationship, it falls apart in this book. It absolutely does. And he was infuriating to me. I, oh, he's so dumb. <laughs> He's so dumb. Um, Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> so first off, he knows that like she may have been poisoned, right? Yeah. You know, he's aware of that. Because, um, oh, right. I guess if people are just listening, she kills Daisy. Yeah. And, but she's not totally in her right frame of mind because mm -hmm. someone has been poisoning her through her food right or yeah drinks or something right so and fox is aware of this and is still like my sister killed my other sister what side whose side am i supposed to be on it's like i don't know like the one whose head you've been in forever and who's clearly hurting a lot and yeah. feels horrible and was not in control of herself like she did this like what uh, yeah. and then he tries to blame it on the like black the dark rock like oh it's shut a dark up uh, so frustrating and then he's like oh well let's just take you to the elders and like let's turn turn you in right yeah and being like oh yeah your sister Asha like tell um all the your Michaela tell them uh, they can help you no they can't they're gonna turn her right over and they are and she'll be killed her. Right? And like, he'll die he just told the story about how Michaela killed her last ward. Um, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. A little idealistic there, right? Yes. And he knows he'll just tell the people in authority that you're doing this thing that they have killed everyone else for. Yep. I don't understand. And he's aware that they're corrupt too. Yeah. Right? He's aware of their yep. corruption. No that's what's really frustrating like he knows yep I don't know what he why I just don't understand it's just not rational it's really not at all and and um I don't know and then there's the whole like I'll slay her myself if I have to I know that hurt me 
I was like, are you serious, Fox? Like, first off, it'll kill you. Yes. And why not talk to, like, she's doing her best not to kill innocent people. She's very clearly only attacking, like, Mm -hmm. the bad people, you know? Yeah. She hasn't done anything really to, she hasn't gone out of her way to hurt them. Right. You know, everything she's done has either been in defense or to try to like eliminate the elders. Right. This is where that talk with the dark rock comes from. It's because she has darkness in her heart's glass. Um, And the, the misinformation that's spread about people who do have darkness in their heart's glass. But even Khaled, when he goes to visit Tia in prison, says, having darkness in your heart's glass doesn't make you insane or evil. It just means that you have a greater capacity for dealing in the dark, dark runes, which makes you more susceptible to dark rot. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, like having it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you have the potential to be more effective. I don't know. I couldn't get like a good handle on why he was so vehemently, you know, against her like that, like not even really willing to talk to her just right away. Hey, let me turn you over to this, like these corrupt people who will definitely kill you. Yes. You know? Yeah. She even says at one point, it was ironic that the brother I had raised from the dead was providing the evidence necessary for my forthcoming execution, knowing it would kill him as well. Mm -hmm. Dang, Fox, are you trying to die? So frustrating. He's just blinded by that dark eye, which is, um, it makes me wonder why it's not more well known that having dark hearts glass doesn't make you a bad person unless it's just because like Khaled knows it other people know having black hearts glass doesn't make you a bad person but it's like having black hearts glass it's been perpetuated so much in their in their teaching or whatever that it it makes you evil and it is like a uh, what Khaled says it's like a moniker for the faceless which obviously doesn't lend anything to helping the reputation of people who have black hearts glass. Um, but the idea that it, it makes you bad has been so ingrained. And I think that must just be the elders doing. And mm-hmm. that, that would go all the way back to like the first Asha, Bernasha of the Roses. Um, but if having that ability to channel the dark magic and have darkness in your black hearts glass makes you more powerful, then I can see how the elders would perpetuate that idea because their entire thing up to this point has been to control, like to be in control, to control the power distribution. And so if you're automatically killing people who don't, who have dark hearts glass and don't understand the power that it gives them, then you can perpetuate this idea that it makes you a bad person and they can control who has the power yep um tia and friends went and visited the gorbachai they also were like no black heart glass doesn't mean that you're evil like so many other people are saying this you mm-hmm. know and it's basically them like just her society you know yeah that's like no they're like 
everyone else is like, eh, no, it's, you know, it's cool. Well, I mean, well, some of them don't have a deal. Yeah. It's like they make it a huge, like, yeah, her people make it a huge deal, but other people aren't. So we had a bunch of big reveals in this book. One of them being that Alfie is a traitor. Yes. Were you surprised? I wasn't expecting it. So I, it wasn't like I was like, I was like, if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be her. Like I got, so when it happened, I was like, okay, yeah, I see that. I see yeah. that. Um, so, but I wasn't, I still wasn't like expecting it. it was, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, I, I see it. It's all the, um, yeah. Although it still made me sad. Yeah. Or, I mean, it makes know, me sad. It. I was reading it. And so I'm, I'm because I've read this before. I knew I, I could remember her being a traitor. I just couldn't remember. So as I was reading it, there were a few things that I caught. And it's like, oh, this is really suspicious. One of them being like how the like how vehemently she wanted those letters from the bard. Like she and there were several things that she said that were just super suspicious. And I couldn't remember on the first read if that came across as suspicious to me or if I didn't, if I couldn't make those connections, did it come across when you read those parts? Were they suspicious to you? The pages one was, I had, the yeah. other stuff didn't, but that she wanted those so badly. I was like, why is she making such a massive deal about this? This is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when at the end, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty clever, her machinations that she used to discredit Tia. So poisoning her, causing her to have those dreams, discrediting her among her friends to make them doubt her. It worked out really effectively, making her think that she was crazy so that she even doubted herself. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was it was really smart on her part. I mean, uh, shoot, I have a quote by her in here. Oh, so she says, what better evidence to show how easily spells are abused than by demonstrating them in all their corrupted glory? I was like, yeah, solid yeah. plan. That works. Clearly, you know, yep, yeah, good strategy. Um, so yeah, she's clearly clever herself and smart. And yeah. She knows what I think, she's doing. Yeah. I ended up really liking Zoya's character. at the end of the book I mean she's just so she's like rash and she's quick to temper and to judge uh but I feel like I just got this vibe from her through the entire book that she wanted to believe in Tia she wanted to believe that there was some alternative motive even though like she questioned it especially after Tia attacked and Kayo she just gave this vibe that like she wanted to believe in Tia yeah I agree Zoya seemed to be supportive of um Tia and I like how she came through for her at the end with her battle against Druj and it yep you know she started out being the one that was antagonistic to Tia and she ended up being the the last one standing um of her sister Asha yeah was nice I just hated that like the people though who really were supposed to know her best right like her sister Asha 
and Fox turned on her. I know. It was so disappointing. It was. Because, and it was, I mean, it was really disappointing because you would think that Fox would know her best because he like has a literal insight into her mind. I know. He should be the one that knows her best. I'll be honest, I wanted him to feel really bad at the end of this book. Like, I wanted him to feel like a dirtbag because he did her wrong. He did. Did he feel like that much of a dirtbag, though? I felt like he didn't feel as much of a dirtbag. he didn't. No. He should have felt worse. Yep, he should have. He absolutely should have. And she made him into, I want to say, like, a real boy. But, you know, she (laughs) gave him. she she did. She sacrificed her life so that he could live. Mm Mm-hmm she did she sacrificed her life so that like everyone could live yeah magic and they were still doubting her intentions like right up to the last two chapters man fox like no until she's dying he doesn't yeah what is it with men in some of these books that we read they don't care until the person is literally dying or dead or dead dead or dying so you really enjoyed the bards parts oh yeah I loved the bards parts like I was wanting to skip ahead for like the main body of the chapter and just put the bards parts together (laughs) because he there was so much anticipation building with her with Tia like revealing who had betrayed with the letters first and then her revealing like who the traitor was and then the final showdown with like the battle and then with Druge. Those parts were just so exciting. And so I got like, like I had to stop myself from skipping the main chapters and just reading those parts so I could get to the exciting bit at the end. But you liked Tia's chapters better? Yeah, so I can see where at the end you want to like skip ahead because that's where the like a whole bunch of stuff is happening. Um, but no, throughout the book, otherwise consistently throughout the book, I liked Tia's chapters more. I liked all of the interactions between the characters and that I liked seeing the new places. I liked the adventures that they went on and I just needed to know how Kaylin died. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so I really enjoyed I enjoyed her chapters more. I mean, like, you know, her trip to um, Yudosha was fun. Like, yeah. Just her meeting new I people. loved that trip to Yudosha. Yeah. They sound like fun folks. They do. They're, I yeah. think if I were going to, like, live in this world, I would want to live in either Yudosha or Estera because they sound like decent people, except it's really cold up there and I would hate being cold. I, same here. <laughs> I had the yeah. same thing. I thought Estera would. Uh, it's so it's so cold. <laughs> I know like, it is really cold. Yadosha sounds like fun. They get drunk yeah. all the time, which I think sounds like a fun, you know, fun vibe. Sounds like they have a good time. Yeah, it does. And that, like how ridiculous they are with the Deva the Nongat. Yes, that was one of my favorite parts. It was like running from the bull sort of thing, right? Yeah. it was great they're so funny yeah um i love the scene they get um tia drunk yeah (laughs) and she starts going on about how much she loves kaylin 
Yes. And they dance. Yeah. Yeah. And she sings really badly. And she talks about how great he is in bed. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a young adult book, right? But this is like, I think probably the raunchiest it's got. But later on, like that same sort of scene, like section, right? I don't remember what is said exactly, but he goes, would you like a refresher? And I was like, yes. I would like a refresher. Yeah. Can we get one? Yes. <laughs> Me too. I was like, just one. Just, you know, let's see one. Just here. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was that was great. I love their relationship. It broke my I heart. Know. Broke my heart. So like even knowing that he's not gonna like he's gonna die, but he's gonna it's gonna be okay. I was still like crying when he died. Me too. That was such an emotional part. So okay, so several things. I said, I think I said at some point last week I would be I was interested to see if this wasn't gonna be a happily ever after because sometimes I like that, right? And I think I would have been fine with it if they hadn't started talking about trading heart glasses getting a, you know, house down the shore, you know, having a life together, having kids and all this stuff. I was like, oh, if they hadn't talked about doing all of that, especially the trading heart glasses. Yeah. I, I feel like I wouldn't have had such like heartbreaking response to it, but like they had this future. Pl- I know. They had these dreams and this future and it hurt me. I know. And that whole, Yeah. And so in that section where he dies, um, it goes back and forth then like to the bar, like what's going on in the bar's perspective is her death and her with Fox, right? And Mm -hmm. so that made me really sad. So it was this combination of like this, her making Fox into like a real person, you know? Um, And he's, he's upset, she's upset. And then Kaylin dying, you know, on the next page. Yes. I'm just like, I'm just like, why? It was a lot. It was a lot to feel. Yes. His oh. when Kaylin is injured by Alfie, and he's like crawling to Tia on the beach. Oh, and bleeding. And she's like panicking and she's like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to fix it. And she's like, but I want a house on a beach and I want to do this with you. And uh, he, she says, um, no grave will hold me, Tia. I swear it. I'll never leave you. And she says, I love you. I will love you for the rest of my life. And he says, I will love you for the rest of yours too. Like, stop. My heart cannot take it. I know. It was so heartbreaking. Uh, And then even in the end, like, I know they die together, I guess. But still, I was like, I want you guys to have the house down the shore like oh you deserve to be happy too (laughs) and they may be that little blurt like little bit at the end makes us think that they're yeah together and happy you know at the statue 
but I want to see it. I want to know my babies are okay. I know. Same. Oh, my heart. And then all the David died. I know. They killed my babies. <laughs> they just killed everything I liked. They're killing my friends. <laughs> everything I liked is dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It was... <sighs> It was hard. I did not expect to cry in this book. I didn't think it was gonna make me cry, but it did. Yeah. It made me cry. It made me cry too. And I knew exactly what was gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it still got me. Like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't want to feel this vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to feel feelings. I don't want to feel the feelings. I know what's gonna happen. Um, Khaled and Lick's relationship it was cute it was sweet it was really sweet um yeah especially there's one scene where like uh Tia walks in on them and they jump apart and they're like oh no and they're both coming up with different excuses he was cold I had to help it it was so cute and you know Cal just being totally oblivious I know. It seems pretty on brand for Khaled, though. Yes. Yes. It was. Yeah. Their story was really sweet. I I thought it was interesting how they discovered the truth behind the story of Blade That Soars and Hollow Knife, with Blade That Soars being actually more of the villain and Hollow Knife being the one that was actually more of a hero and how their history was manipulated. Mm-hmm. by Ernasha of the Roses and people just took it at that because she was so respected and lauded by everyone even though she lied yep yeah I actually one of my notes was I love this so much this the real story behind it um mm-hmm. and how it got twisted because we know like just from history things that get passed down get twisted just naturally right yes. but this is a situation where it was purposely manipulated yes you know and changes like everything you know mm-hmm. like if it had not been purposely manipulated so much would be different right and it's this one act really that this person does that changes everything yeah so but I, yeah. I love that as an element. I thought it was so interesting. You're right. I mean, it reminds me a lot of like how even just memory, memories are so flawed, but we rely on memories for so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, it, court cases, they rely on like witness testimonies and memories, but there have been so many studies that show how flawed memory can be. Yeah, I love those. Of, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say there are a lot of studies about how easily like the human mind is manipulated, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to witness testimony. Like they can have somebody watch a car crash and then they ask like, how fast was the car going when the cars crashed into each other, when they bumped into each other, when they slammed into each other. And just based on that wording, they misremember what they yeah. saw. Yeah. I mean, I just got like a lot of social justice vibes in this book too kind of like we did in so in the other ones um he at one point says um 
people tend to believe those who are in charge, no matter how ridiculous or corrupt they may be. And yeah. she also says, we've been conditioned to obey authority in subtle manners. You would be surprised at how few, how very few actually speak up in the face of injustice. I mean, it's how people, like normal people, not, not only just like government sort of things, but normal people and governments and institutions can get away with so, so much, mm -hmm. you know? Like, so tons of people, you know, can observe something wrong going on in like, I don't know, the CIA and you have one whistleblower, you mm -hmm. know, out of hundreds of people who may be seeing it happen, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's such like trying to stick up and point out what's wrong when everyone else mm -hmm. is just kind of going along with it. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, it's hard to be um, divergent, I guess, from what everyone else is, yeah. is putting out. And that it reminds me, this reminds me a little bit of, and it's just because I, so I follow NPR on Instagram and they released a thing this week about a 63-year-old Asian-American woman who was attacked in the street by someone. And there were like people walking by and also like a person in the building in front of where it was happening and lots of security cameras like there were a lot of witnesses to this happening and no one stopped to help this woman yeah um, i saw that too yeah and it reminds me of that so uh, there's the the do you remember the kitty for gazy situation yep. we talked about in psychology as well where's this woman who was like raped and assault like murdered yep there yep. were tons of people around and no one did anything to help her they all assumed somebody else would yeah sort of thing yep someone I else mean, is stand up yep it's sad it's something that we've seen repeatedly we either just like assume that somebody else is going to take care of it so it's not our responsibility or we just mm -hmm. look the other way yeah know? just keep don't trouble yourself with it yep don't cause yourself any extra stress or anything like that you know yeah Yep. which is awful what I like so that NPR post what I really liked is that they gave people strategies for what to do when they see something happening mm -hmm. um, which I think is you know helpful because like I said, I, people I feel like have a tendency to freeze in those situations or just not know what to do so having strategies helps like uh, film it with your camera or um what take charge, give people specific instructions for things to do, not just like say someone call 911, but say like you call EM, like give people a job, give yes. them a specific directive and things like that to do um, with actually confronting the person who's doing the thing being like the most aggressive form. And I would imagine probably the thing people are most uncomfortable with, but um, or like walking up to the person be like, hey, I was just, you look familiar or hey, how's your mom doing or things like that, like intervening on the person's behalf. Yep. You, you have some points about Kant's. Oh, his father and just him in general. Yeah, so I was relatively surprised that he killed his father. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, I'm you know, it was probably a mercy that he did. I thought it was really interesting. He made a comparison um, to his father of being like 
the same as putting down an animal. Mm-hmm. I found that to be an interesting comparison that he made. And then the fact that his father was apparently saying horrible, awful things as yeah. well, like ranting and raving. And it made him realize that, nope, he definitely was involved with um, Ana and everything going on. Oops. Um, you know, and I feel bad for him. He's like, I don't know. He's in a tough situation. He's young, right? He's, yeah, he is. he's really young to have to take over this kingdom. That's not in the best situation right now on the verge of war, basically. Um, his, he feels like his friends and family have betrayed him. I do like that they were finally able to kind of make peace with each other. Right. There was some, so it's mentioned he didn't forgive Tia, but they they come to like a, you know, truce kind of. Yeah, thank you. I was missing the word a truce. You know. So, what were yeah. your thoughts on Kant's? Um. Well, I felt like they did kind of come to a truce or not yeah. like I feel like oh. he did kind of offer some forgiveness to her for the things that happened once he had a greater understanding of the extent of his father's madness. Um, I feel like he kind of gave off this vibe of regret when he was having that conversation with Tia because of how he responded to her and exiling her from his country. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think he, you know, in the end, he says, like, you still can't come back, but I think he felt bad about it. Me too. It was a nice point of closure, I think, for them. Yes, I felt like that wrapped up nicely. Yeah. Um, how did you, you had um, some thoughts about her conversation about magic ending? Yeah. Um, she, she was really conflicted about that, and I could understand that. that that conflict because if she you know her entire purpose with fighting with the the elder asha and um, discovering their corruption has been to try to make life better for the dark asha who because she doesn't want any more people to have to make the sacrifices that she or michaela have made she doesn't want to be a sacrifice for these people and so in ending that and ending their struggle Mm -hmm. she would end magic but she would also end the life of her brother who she raised yeah but she doesn't want to live forever and she doesn't want the power that a god has and so i think it puts her in a really difficult position which is where i think that the idea of the shadow glass becomes really interesting in that aspect because then she she's able to use that to bring fox back um but she she ends up being the one to make the sacrifice she has this really interest. So her and Kant have this conversation about ending magic. And he's like, I think you should do it. I think you should end the magic. And she says, okay, but if it was your task and you had to sacrifice Khaled to do this, could you do it? Yeah. And he says, the bonds that tie us together are the same bonds that prevent us from what we would sacrifice for ourselves. So if it, if it was them that they had to sacrifice, like if it, Tia is totally fine with the idea of sacrificing herself to make this happen, but she wouldn't sacrifice her brother. Yeah. 
And I mean, that ends up working out because she's able to make the shadow glass and then cast the, the rune with the first harvest that allows um, Fox to become human again. She's yeah. able to make that sacrifice of herself. And, and then she, she even offers to make Kaylin human again too. Yes. And he was like, no, nope, you idiot. I don't want to do this without you. They're so cute. (laughs) So cute. So heartbreaking. It is. It is really heartbreaking. You know, this whole book is just a deterioration of her body as she makes a sacrifice for her fox. And I feel so frustrated by it because. I don't think Fox would make the sacrifice for her. Oh, no. He would have turned. Nope. He was going to turn her over to people who were going to kill her. And he's like, Tia, you are too good. You are too good for this world. I know. Yeah. I mean, the whole book, essentially, it came down to Fox, right? Mm -hmm. At the end, everything that she did. Yeah, it was for the love she had for her brother. Yeah. Which is nice in yeah. a way. Just wish yeah. her brother wasn't as, you know. Yeah. I mean, her love for her brother is what started her as a, I mean, it's what started her life as a dark asha, and it's also what ended it. So, how did you feel about the reveal of the oracle's identity? I loved it. It was so, I loved it so much. Um, so the Oracle is Druge, right? Yeah. And I mean, so I, I, we spent the whole book or the whole series thinking that Druge is a man. Um, but so that she's a woman just to begin with. I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, everyone's looking for a the man. The most powerful one female yeah. yeah so I like that but also she put herself in a position that is insanely powerful but also it's like powerful in a really subtle way you know yeah Does that makes sense like so she's mm-hmm. an or so she's um the, the oracle so she can kind of shape people to do you know what they what she wants them to ultimately do right right um, and one thing that I was thinking about that I found really interesting was how she had told Kaylin that Tia was gonna like cause the death of the one of the man that she loved. Mm-hmm. And it starts that is why like it began with Kaylin, yeah, disliking her. That whole thing. Um, yeah, so it was just uh, so clever, you know. The other ones also all you know they all put themselves at first, you know in these positions of um, more in servant roles, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they were. Um, and, you know, this one as well was not a servant role at all. Right. subtly powerful, which I love. Yeah. I mean, with that, she's able, like that position, because all of the would-be Ashes have to go and see her before they can be admitted to Asha training. And so in that way, she's able to stay abreast of like, who's coming and going, like what's developing in the future. um, Ways that she can influence things going forward. 
and because she's the oracle she's kind of above all of the dealings with the elder asha so yep they have to respect her and leave her alone they all manage to hide in plain sight yeah very very well yeah i think that's probably the cleverest one though in terms of hiding in plain sight Mm -hmm. definitely maybe i mean maybe that explains like why she's so powerful she's obviously very clever yeah i mean even you know she's at one point um tia and druge are like kind of fighting for power of one of the deva's minds right Mm -hmm. and unlike the other two faceless that um tia has had this interaction with um there's no like she's not really fighting back mainly she's more like dodging yeah you know um while the other ones went more on attack to try to get tia out and it was just a different thing and tia's getting frustrated by it you know because she wasn't expecting that and it's just like this clever way to keep it going and keep it going longer i definitely i would have liked actually more information about Druge. yeah I think I would have liked more information just about the faceless in general. Yes. I I mean, it's supposed to be a movement, but we don't yeah. huh, really. So we see. don't get a whole lot of information about them. And we don't really have a great understanding of what their actual purpose is until this book. And so I think that would have been an area that would have been nice for more just like development in their story is actually understanding them better Mm -hmm. or having more information about their purpose because we find out in this book like their actual purpose is to rid the world of magic yep there are the follower followers of hollow knife um who we find out you know is not actually the bad guy but the faceless are bad guys it's like they're the, the they're bad guys with a good purpose so they're they're trying to rid the world of magic, but they're doing it with like mass murder. Yeah, which is n- not really how you want to go about doing things. Yeah, and in, in general, you know, yeah, mass murder. In <laughs> but if you're trying to support like a good cause, the thing that you don't want to do is make yourself the bad guy. So. <laughs> I found myself like supporting their cause. It definitely seems like the world needs to lose some of its magic, but the way that they're going about it is definitely not a good way. And also, you know, like Druge manipulates Alfie into coming to her side. Like she's, she's infiltrated the Asha um, and Alfie thinks like the end of, ma- like it, that Druze is, Druze is actually supporting like this end of magic. But I mean, do you really think that Druze is, end goal is to get rid of magic so that she doesn't have it no i think druge wanted to be a god right right? yeah and shape the world yeah yes absolute power like you don't get to be in that position in the world so that you could just give up all your power because she goes on and on about how uh tia wants to know what it feels like to have true power she doesn't want to give that up yep because she even like she tries to tempt Tia, you know, yeah, with it. Um, but yeah, 
so there's no way that like her actual intention is to end the world of magic but that's how they've gotten their followers that's how they've gotten people to support them is to get them you know even if you just have to kill a few people just it's just a little murder in the name of a good cause just a little which sounds like mm, the crusades and a lot of other religious enterprises yep Oh, also blighting everyone and dripped. That's pretty mean. That's <laughs> pretty mean. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. If all that other stuff wasn't enough, like mm, committing genocide for your cause, that's that's pretty bad. <laughs> Let's talk about our quotes. Yes. So I had three. My first one is said by Tia. She says, where my attempts at invoking empathy in the Asha leaders had failed, greed had prevailed. And so this is said when she's trying to convince them to let her go, right? And she's like, oh, well, think about how much more money I'll bring in if, um, you know, I'm the one that goes out. Yeah. And I agree to it then. And it's just such, of course, <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, of course, sounds about right, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the next one I had, which uh, this is just like, I just like the, I just like it. Um, it was hard work killing nightmares. Mm-hmm. I just like it. I like the way that sounds. It's true, I guess. Yeah. I just enjoyed the quote. And my last one was, it's a big world. There must be a small spot in it for us. Uh, yes. Uh, art. I know. Um, so, yeah. I, I, there are multiple reasons I enjoy that quote. I'm not sure enjoy is the right word. Because now it makes me so sad. It's sad. It's so sad. But additionally, you know, there's it is a big world. There are a lot of people who feel out of place and stuff in life. And there's gotta be a small spot somewhere. Like everyone has a spot, you know? Yeah. And in this situation, it's not necessarily what they're talking about, but it made me think of that. And thank you. What are your final thoughts on this story? So I really enjoyed the series as a whole. I did get a little frustrated because we spend so much time kind of in the dark for a lot of it. And I'm not somebody who reads ahead. And I almost read ahead because I wanted to know so badly Um, because I was impatient. I'm an impatient person (laughs) for the most part. Um, I think that would be like my main critique, but it's also what makes the book really good. So it's a weird sort of, you know, issue to have with it because without it being like that, I don't think the book would have been as good or the series did. so definitely worth it um, to go yes. through that, I guess. Um, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the world that was built. I enjoyed the action, all the relationships and the twists and turns that happened. It was very enjoyable. Yeah. What about you, Marissa? I... I love these books. This was my second read and I enjoyed them just as much the second time through as the first. It's great. 
fantasy. There's so much good magic and character relationships and world building and like real world applications too, which is nice. I love these books so much. And it was so nice to read them again. And I'm so glad that you liked it because you hadn't read these books and I recommended them to you. And I was very anxious that you were not going to like them. <laughs> <laughs> I was anxious I wasn't going to like them either, especially that first <laughs> book. Because <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to get on there and be like, didn't enjoy this. <laughs> but it all worked out. It worked out well. All right. Well, that wraps up The Shadow Glass. And it wraps up the Bone Witch Trilogy by Ren Chipeko. Um, next week we'll be, so this summer we'll be covering the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Mass. And so we'll start that next week with the Assassin's Blade. So we excited. So, we are so excited. I'm not 100% sure I'm emotionally prepared for it, but we're really excited. I know. So, <laughs> i know we gotta go through all the feels again all of the feelings again because <laughs> that's all right yeah so we yeah. thank you for listening and we hope you join us next week thank you for listening to literary quest we hope you enjoyed our episode if you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.